My name's years. Mike. If you don't know me, um, and I, in the last over the last ten years, I've been uh, travelling to Papua New Guinea, and we've started a, an organisation up there called Living Child, which does work um, training birth attendants because the infant and maternal mortality is very high in the areas we go to, and so. The idea was, how do you respond to this? And I asked a lady whose name is Sarah if she'd be interested in responding. And from that, this organisation, Living Child, has started. So I've been travelling up and down to PNG for the last 10 years. And the most recent trip was a few weeks ago. Uh, and so I haven't been feeling very well since that trip. And I thought, well, I better go to the doctor and check out what's happening because you can get all sorts of viruses and things up there. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had, went to the doctors and uh, they told me, go and get some blood taken. So I sat there and they took vial after vial. I think it was like six vials and two of these big blood culture things. So they wanted to sort of investigate exactly what's going on. Now, yesterday I went to the doctor and found out the results. And I found out at some point, and I didn't know this, that I've actually had Ross River virus. They can tell that from the results. So at some point in the past, I had... A sickness, but it was Ross River virus, but I haven't got it now. That's great. Who knew? <laughs> Turns out I don't have malaria, which was good news. Uh, but there was a registration for something in there that kind of explains this sense of, oh, just feeling weak and terrible uh, for the last few weeks. And it said there was a, there was a, a, a target thing here. It had a number 40 on it for some registration, and it was part of the flavovirus family, I think it's called. And it was consistent with dengue fever. So in one sense you feel bad that you've kind of got this thing going on. In another sense you feel relieved that you've actually, oh, I can nail it down to something. Why feeling um, bad? So recently I've probably fought off this disease, the results say. So I think that's the explanation for why I've been feeling so bad since coming back from PNG. Thankfully most of the other tests were okay, the, you know, the blood counts and all that were, were okay. You take a bit of blood and it can reveal all sorts of things from your history. They can now test what you've had and they've got a list of all the things that you've had in the past and it can, it can tell you a lot about your health. If you took an x-ray of me, you'd, if you took this side of my body, you'd find a big lump on the shoulder. Uh, and you'd also find that this arm is actually turned slightly outwards because when I was 17 years old, I broke um, the end of the shoulder off playing rugby league. And uh, when it set, I had to have it in an aeroplane splint like this for about eight weeks. And it actually set like this. And so my arm is slightly like this and the, and the bone is like three times thicker up there. If you, if you did the x-ray, you'd, you'd see that. It's amazing as you think about your life, you go through and all of us will be different in this way. But there will be things that we've picked up from our journey, from our accidents, from our adventures. And you could kind of do a scan and find out all the stuff that we've been through. Some of us more than others, maybe. And there'd be scars. And some of them would be obvious and some of them would be on the inside. We carry these things with us in life. I wonder if we could get a scan that actually went below the physical. What if we could examine the soul? What if we could have a scanner kind of like at the airport, but uh, it examined the soul. And I wonder what this scanner would reveal about our history. And I think for all of us, there would be wounds and there would be struggles we've been through. There would be pain. There would be betrayal. There would be times of loneliness. There would be 
uh, regrets and failures and all sorts of things that this scanner would reveal about our history. All of these markers of struggle would be in all of us. Some of them would be physical, some of them would be spiritual, some of them would be emotional, and we would carry these things with us through life. Quite a list, I think. And if we took a journal and reflected about our feelings and our actions during the week, I think we could probably link some of our feelings and our actions to some of these things that have happened to us in the past. Uh, in Psalm 23, uh, I think if we go to the second one, um, this is Psalm 23. There it is. Let's go to the next one, and I think I've got it in yellow. Oh, let's go back then. Yeah, the yellow part. So we're going to read Psalm 23 later on, but I want to focus a little bit on these two areas of Psalm 23. In verse 4, it's the yellow bit. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. That's a verse you normally hear at a funeral, right? person kind of has walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but thankfully God is with them. And it's all this comforting idea that God walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. But I think it's more than about death, that verse. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death casts a shadow. And that shadow is over all of us. Ultimately, death will claim us, but the shadow of death impacts us in our lives. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. There are all these scars are there because we live in a world where death has cast its shadow. We don't live in a perfect world. We, we don't live in a paradise. The Garden of Eden is the paradise. We don't live there anymore. In fact, if we read the early chapters, it said it was perfect initially, but because humans chose their own way, we chose independence from God, and God allows that choice, and He still allows that choice, because we have real freedom to choose, even against God, but the consequences of that choice were that death would come in to humanity. Death would come into the picture, and with death would come all of these scars and struggles and pain, suffering. And we look at the world, and the world is like that. Death casts a shadow over our world. Ultimately, it will claim us, and it doesn't have me yet, but it has cast a shadow over me. The disease, the infections, all the things we can see physically are a sign of that, but also the things in our soul. It impacts us in different ways, but it does impact us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death is overshadowing us. I think as you read the Bible, the Bible's an honest book. It invites us to reality. It doesn't invite us to pretend that things are okay. Some people might be surprised because sometimes people who proclaim the Bible or institutions that kind of stand on the Bible, uh, the ones who most quote the Bible, sometimes people present themselves, we're above reproach, we're okay, we've got it all together. If you're one of our group, you're one of the chosen ones. You won't have problems, you won't be sinful, you'll be more blessed than everyone else. I spoke to someone the other day and he went to a group once and, and they had communion and you were only allowed to take communion if you were perfect. And he said he, he watched the communion go down each row and people like, whoa, I'm not going to touch that. 
And then one guy took some. This guy actually considered himself to be perfect, so he was allowed to take communion. Good luck with that, mate. But that's not really how the Bible presents it, is it? The Bible doesn't sugarcoat everything and it doesn't say you can't take communion unless you're perfect. In fact, quite the opposite. You take it because you recognise you need it. We recognise we need this thing, the cross. It doesn't pretend the world is perfect and it doesn't pretend we are perfect. In fact, in 1 John 1.8 it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So this idea that we're perfect simply isn't, it doesn't cut it in terms of approaching God or the Bible. But we all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We do things that result in death for others. We are impacted by the shadow that's cast by the actions of others. That's the world. It impacts us and leaves us with scars. In verse 5, the other yellow part, it says, the presence of my enemies. I don't know if you've got any specific enemies. Is there anyone you would say, that is my enemy at the moment? But if you look back over your whole life, there are probably times where you could say, I had an enemy then. Maybe it was at school. There are people who have a go at us. There are people who resist us. Maybe there are good reasons they do that. But we probably have had enemies, at least at times in the past. They've said things to us. We've said things to them. We've done or said. And so they've been our enemies, at least for a time. And you think about that concept. I wonder, is there a person or a situation or an institution who you would say, they are my enemy? Is there someone who comes to mind? I had a brother. He's three, he was three years older than me, obviously bigger than me. And I can tell you when I was younger, many times I considered him my enemy. <laughs> so I'm putting out this idea that we all carry scars. Death has cast its shadow over all of us, physically, emotionally, spirit, in different ways, but that shadow is there. And we're likely to have had situations where we called people enemies. It's real, it's part of the world we live in, and we carry this around with us, just like we carry in our DNA, in our blood, the, the sign of the infection of the past. We carry in our soul the pain, the scars, the unforgiveness, the guilt, the shame, the, the, the result of the broken relationships that we've had. So what do we do with all that? Psalm 23 is the experience of David. He's a king. He's a psalmist. He's famous for someone who had his share of scars, his share of problems, his share of sin, his share of enemies. And he reflects on all of this in Psalm 23. So here's Psalm 23. I wonder, can we read this together? Uh, you might, might already know it. It's a certain version. Obviously, it might not be different than the one you know. But let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice that the, the reality is not taken out. There is still the valley of the shadow of death. There is still the presence of enemies. But these, these struggles that are real and acknowledged, they're not focused on as the only thing. They're there. Sometimes David does focus on those things. There are other Psalms where he focuses completely on the struggle. He has a difficult circumstance and he, he struggles with it and he, he, he tells God about it. So here's a couple of Psalms that talk about, just, uh, if we go to the next one. Can we go back? Ah, that one. Psalm 32 is, is, is from his experience, he had this long and protracted experience of working through his sin with Bathsheba and subsequently the murder of her husband. Uh, and so he, 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 he writes this, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He's focused on the problem that he's experienced and he's saying, I'm groaning all day long. I'm going through this because of what I went, uh, this sin he, he experienced. He's keeping silent. He's holding it all in. And there are times for David, and I think for us, when the struggles are overwhelming and we need to process the guilt, the shame, the disappointment, the tragedy. And all through the Psalms, you can find these Psalms of lament, complaining to God. Things aren't good. Or the second one in Psalm 88. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape my eye grows dim through sorrow. Again, he's, he's pretty raw, expressing his feelings, even blaming God. You have done this. 42 psalms are lament psalms. Individual laments and 16 are national or community laments. That's a lot of material dedicated to expressing the pain, expressing the struggle. What are they? The Psalms of Lament are poetic hymns meant to be sung to God. They deal with issues that were and still are central to the life of faith for individual believers and the whole community of faith. The Lament Psalms express intense emotions, real human struggles, and the anguish of heart experienced by the people of Israel as they lived out their faith individually and corporately. Telling God when things are bad, when you're struggling. When pain is real, when enemies are attacking, when we've sinned and failed, it's okay and essential to spend our time processing, lamenting, weeping, feeling ashamed. All of these things are part of the process. When tragedy is great, these, this time may go on for a while. Some lament can help us express these things to God. But not all of life is lament. There is lament, but not all of life is lament. So Psalm 23, we see this visual imagery. David uses this imagery to express uh, his experience of God. And Psalm 23, we have to remember that David is a shepherd. He's experienced life as a shepherd. He knows what it is to care for sheep. 
So I think he's thinking about the times when he was a shepherd and he thinks about green pastures. He thinks about still waters. He thinks about these times of peace that he's experienced. He thinks about his ability as a shepherd to provide security for the sheep. If the lion comes, he's going to look after the sheep. If the bear comes, he'll look after the sheep. He's going to guide the sheep. He's going to protect them. He knows what it is to be a shepherd. And then he pictures God as the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he reflects on the idea that just as he was going to protect the sheep, so God aims to look after and protect his people. Sometimes, I wonder sometimes we, we find it difficult to believe that God has a positive regard for us, that he loves us. But, but I think it's helpful to think about, as if you're a parent, or if, if you've done some parenting, even if you're not a parent, um, you think about how you feel towards a child, and you have this sense of you want the best for that child, that feeling of wanting the best and the actions that come from that feeling. And that's what David's doing. He's kind of saying, I know what it's like to be a shepherd, and now I'm, I'm, I'm turning it around and saying, God feels like that towards me. Just as I felt for the sheep, so he feels for me. Just as we want the best for children, so God wants the best for us. That feeling of wanting the best for someone is the feeling that God has towards us. It's like the fatherhood of God is, is, is like that. God uses Psalm 23 to, for David to chain, turn the tables and tell us that God is like the experience he had when he was looking after the sheep. Even with the enemies present, even with the shadow of death, God's heart is to protect and to bless. When we read and reflect on and memorize passages like Psalm 23, we kind of, we, we get a new perspective. We experience the darkness of this shadow. We experience the presence of enemies. But Psalm 23 tells us that even when those things are happening, God is, we are able to receive from God. We are able to find green pasture and still water, even with those things present in this world. And I think the same idea happens in the New Testament. In, in trying to follow Jesus in living a godly life, the Word of God, you know, the, the Bible, becomes for us a way of reshaping our thinking. When we're feeling discouraged, when we're feeling that God is not present, we can go to those words and, and know the affirmation that He is. Renew our thinking, renew our mind. The shadow of death was just as real in the time of Jesus as it was in the time of David, you know, a thousand years later. They had enemies in the time of Jesus. They had national enemies the Romans had taken over. They probably had personal enemies, just like we all do. Jesus goes to these words, which is a very similar idea to Psalm 23. So let's go to the next one. The next one. Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This idea of being weary, of laboring, uh, heavy laden, it's kind of similar to the idea of the Psalm 23. There's enemies, there's struggle. The shadow of death has been cast over us, experiencing that, experiencing enemies, experiencing being overwhelmed. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I want to be beside you. I want you to walk with me. Learn from me. I know how to live this life. I can show you how to relax into the care of the great shepherd. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus is not oppressive. There's a welcome for people. The shepherd who provides green pastures and quiet waters and wants to restore your soul, that's the same attitude that Jesus has towards us. The yoke is not a burden. Walk with him, it's not a burden. He's the good shepherd. He knows we have the struggles. He knows there are all these diseases, scars and things in our lives. He knows our lives have been twisted by sin. He, he, he knows all that. He knows that death has been in work, at work in us. And still he invites us to come. Despite all those things, even carrying those things with us and to trust him as the shepherd. To trust him as our guide. We have to believe that God is good. We have to believe that he has our best in mind. We have to believe that he can restore our souls. They can give us rest. And once we know that that's what God is like, we can relax into walking with him. We can trust that he actually has green pastures for us. He actually has quiet waters he can lead us to that in Him we will find rest for our souls. All the things we've carried, we can find rest for those things. I'm going to ask us now again to, to read these scriptures, because I think, you know, we can have a sermon, but what matters more really is what happens during the week when the struggle comes and the shadow of death is cast on your life in some way, or the pain from the past becomes uh, unbearable, that's when you need to know that you can go to the shepherd. That's when you need to know that you can come to Jesus. So learning these scriptures is really helpful for those times when it becomes most intense in your life, when the struggle and the difficulty uh, comes to the surface, we can then turn to him, hear these words and be reminded of them. So here's again Psalm 23. Let's read it again, because I want to encourage us to memorize it, but better still, have it in, in uh, open the word in your life at some point when you need it. Let's read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's God's word to us. We can take that. Uh, we can be confident that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and his goodness and mercy shall follow us. And uh, Matthew 28, Matthew 11:28. let's say that together. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we know we carry all sorts of things in our lives. The the shadow of death has cast itself over us and physically, emotionally and spiritually there are markers in our life that difficulties have come. Sometimes through things that have happened or have been said to us, sometimes through things that we have done. There is sin and struggle. We can't pretend, but thank you, despite that, you are the good shepherd. Even when there are enemies, even when there is difficulty, even though the shadow of death has cast itself over us, we can be confident that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that you will lead us to green pastures and still waters. Lord, help us in the areas we struggle to be confident of your goodness. Jesus, that you said that you were gentle and lowly in heart. That we could walk with you, that we could put our yoke, your yoke upon us. That we would find rest for our souls. Lord, may these words uh, become real to us today. And especially, Lord, when we struggle. Especially when, when the heat of the moment, when it seems difficult, when your presence doesn't seem real when it seems the enemies are all around us, may we know confidence in you that you are the good shepherd and that you will take us in, receive us and bless us. Help us turn to you even when it's difficult. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for the welcome you give us despite the markers in our life that would suggest uh, we are not worth it, that we have too many problems, but your heart is always open. Guide us and lead us, we pray, and receive us in Jesus' name. Amen.